Turn to Psalm chapter 1 today. Psalm 1. I love the green grass, don't you? I drove by down the road coming to church this morning. I told my wife, all that grass is green. Cheers me up. <laughs> How many of you in this room, and you'll raise your hand, so I want every hand to get ready to be raised. How many of you in this room this morning will admit that at one time or another, you have made a mistake? Look around, look around. It may be the only time we all confess our sin in public. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, at least we're truthful, I guess. I have a story I want to tell you that uh, I, I'd heard this story a long time ago. I just forgot about it, but it came to me. And I just want to tell you how human we can be. But we can also find out how, how we respond today. I want to tell you the story about this lady that was flying and she was in the airport waiting for her flight, found out there was a cancellation going to be delayed about an hour, so she goes to the vending machine and she buys her a package of cookies. She goes over to the waiting area and her seat is, you know, by the little table that divides them, another chair right there, and she sat down and going to read a book and set her package of cookies right beside her. And uh, so she opens her cookies and took a cookie out of the package. And about just a minute later or so, she noticed the guy uh, sitting across from the little table got one of the cookies. And she's like, what? What, what kind of a deal is this? And so <laughs> a minute or two later, she ate the cookie, got a second cookie, and he got a second cookie, and she's going, I'm going to explode. I'm going <laughs> to chew this dude out. Why are you so quiet on me? How many of you are in that picture? How many of you want somebody to steal your cookies? Took the third cookie. He reached over and got a third cookie. And she's just like, <laughs> she's sitting over here boiling like in a pot. I mean, couldn't hardly maintain herself. Finally, there was only that one cookie left. And the guy reached over, took the last cookie, broke it in half, laid the half back down, and he ate the other half. And she is just livid. She is like, what kind of people are in this world? What is going on? Et cetera, et cetera. Time came. They got on the airplane. She got seated, got her seatbelt off, got up, went to get her book out of her purse, and in her purse was her package of cookies. Uh-oh. Too late to apologize. Can't hunt the guy down. Too late to say I'm sorry. And all the bad thoughts I had about you. How many of you ever made a mistake like that? How many of you ever had bad thoughts about people you shouldn't have had bad thoughts about because you're just as bad as they are? Well, there's lesser, less hands right now than there was a while ago. <laughs> We're so human. So human. We have on our sign out front of the church this psalm which says, He remembers that we are dust. Aren't you glad God realizes we are always, even at our best, just human beings? 
But it does tell us that we're short-fused today. It does tell us that we're real picky. It does tell us that we don't want to share our cookies with anybody. At least not uninvited. Doesn't it? <laughs> Every time I see a cookie, I'm going to think about that story. Do you realize that man was extremely gracious to that lady? And did not say one word. Even broke the last cookie in half. So I have, a, I have a question for you. Would you break the last cookie in half or eat it yourself? You don't have to answer that. I want to tell you that the way we live our life as Christians. How many in this room are saved and you know that you're saved and you're on your way to the king? How many of you? I trust you can all raise your hand. Those of us that are redeemed and on our way to the promised land of, of the eternal kingdom of our Lord because it's promised and His Word never changes, we are supposed to affect this world we live in. And the manner in which we affect this world is extremely important to God. That's why there are mo far more than Ten Commandments in the New Testament there are hundreds of commandments in the New Testament compared to ten in the Old. And we are supposed to be obedient to them. And ladies and gentlemen, our responses to things in life are required to be different. I can show you in the first five books, the Pentateuch of Scripture, that God makes a difference between those who are holy and those who are corrupt. And that difference is by how we live. And I want to take us to Psalm 1, a portion of my favorite verse of Scripture. This is going to be, this is going to be I hope, explanatory today. I want to read to you how God wants us to live. And I'm going to do this from Psalm 1. And I'm going to talk today about God's planting us in our place like a tree. God has a reason for you being on His planet he has a cause and a purpose for your life and the job you hold and the church you go to and the school you go to and the life that you live. God has that all planned. How many of you want to be in the will of God? How many of you want to show a true picture of Jesus Christ? Listen to the Psalm 1 man. To me, these are some of the most phenomenal words of spirit description. The bl blessed is the man, happy, fulfilled, Content is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. There are philosophies out here, young people today, that and have been for thousands of years that are absolutely anti-God. They are spawned of Satan himself. And we who are blessed, called by the name of Christ, washed in his blood, we will not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. We will not let what they say affect our salvation. And human reasoning can present that in such grandeur ways that it even causes the best among us sometimes to question. But the truly blessed man or woman of Psalm 1 will not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And I love the King James Version. It says, nor nor stands, or stands not, here it says, nor stands in the path of sinners. This does not mean we pull ourselves away from society, get in a church, and we all just look alike, think alike, walk alike, pray alike. We don't, 
What this means is we do not stand in the paths of sinners. We do not take on the ways of this world. We are separate from them in it, but not of it. We, we live a different life, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. We do not allow the things of this world to so taint our hearts and our lives that we take on the attitude of the world that is negative and scornful and everything in our world, we're, we just, we're negative about everything. If you're that way, come and do your first works over and get a good attitude because God needs you to have a show of leaves as a tree that cannot be moved. Amen. You ever met a Christian with a bad attitude? Surely not. And maybe no, that's not becoming of a good Christian. Good Christians who are genuinely mature Christians bite their tongue every once in a while. Ooh, I know you'd like to say amen, but it's hard, isn't it? Genuine Christians who walk not, sit not in, in all this world. They are different. We're supposed to be disciplined people. We're supposed to walk in a different drumbeat. But he says, but the delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, this isn't ink on a page. This is life to your soul and spirit. I mean, this is life to everything about us. But his delight in the law. And in his law, watch this, he, she meditates day and night. That person, that man, that woman, that young person will be like a tree. Here it is comparing the Christian, a mature, disciplined Christian to a tree. Planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Watch this, planted by the river. Brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither. That means their testimony will not be tainted. Their testimony will remain true so that the world can witness what God has done in this being. And whatsoever, whatever they do shall what? What is the last word? Shall, Shall what? God gave us some promises. Not only a picture, but a promise. Lord, stir us today, God, with your word, and I pray it find that lodging. Lord, at the very core of our soul and our being. For, Lord, we're in a lost world, and we're seeing the end of days. May we, Lord, be stirred, God, to be the example in the tree that has a profession that does not change in this late hour. I pray it and amen. Text verses, text is chapter, verse 3, I mean, chapter 1, verse 3. I love the spring. I mentioned the grass. I love the beautiful flowers. I love the leaves on trees in the spring, and of course, they change color in the fall. As a child, I loved to play in the trees. My dad didn't like trees. He liked them down the creek and in the yard, but he did not want them in the middle of a field where he had to plow around them or mow around them. (laughs) They got in his way. Sometimes there can be too many. As a child, I took a stick, and I can't tell you how many stick horses I had, but I can tell you this. From the time I was 
six years old, we moved to the farm until I got up of age where I got to drive or at least I got out of the child age. I cannot tell you how many stick horses I have. I have rode them hundreds of miles on 130 acres. Hundreds of miles. I, 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 have, I have worn those stick horses out. They're real simple to make. You just get a stick as long as you want it. You finally drill a hole through the end of it, put a piece of leather on it, get that thing, and here we go everywhere, across the creek, down the pastures, everything. I mean, some of them would even buck me off. <laughs> I love those trees. They're beautiful. I, uh, when I was six years old, we moved there. I went and got some old wood off of an old chicken coop in a barn. And my friends and I, on Sunday afternoon after church, they would come home with me and we'd get on our raggedy jeans and throw on some tennis shoes and we'd take some old crooked nails we had to straighten up and all that wood. And we got up there and built us a tree house and that thing was there for 10, 12, 14 years and three or four of us would get up there on that thing and have a ball. I do not have to this day how, know how a six-year-old guy, a bunch of guys can build a treehouse that will stay in 18 years. But it happened. You just have to take my word for it. I, I didn't fall. My dad, we had 77, I believe, pecan trees when I was a kid. We had to keep them clean and mow under them and rake the leaves and burn it. And we picked up pecans to pay our taxes and have a little Christmas. Trees were important in, in our life. The scripture comparing humanity, or Christians, if you will, men, women, and young people with a tree are frequent. Job said it in his book, 8, 16, and 17. Job 14, 7, 8, 9, 10. Job 15, 32, and 33. In the Pentateuch, Numbers 24, 6. And again in Psalm 90. Uh, 2, 12 through 14, on and on through the New Testament, many times the Holy Spirit of God compares the Christian to a tree. But from verse 3, for exposition purposes this morning, I want you to notice the word planted. This person shall be like a tree planted. It is so important. It denotes, this word denotes a man or a woman or a young person firmly in place in the center of the will of God. Saints, when we are in the hand of God, when we become born again at the beginning of our new birth in the hand of God, and then we're told we're in the hand and the care of God, guiding us and leading us and sustaining us all of our life as His child, there is no greater security known on planet earth than that kind of security. How many of you know God can keep what you commit to Him? It's important. God not only gives us these blessings, but he gives us some promises. And this is what I want us to believe in in this late day where everything seems to be shaking. I want to declare to you where God has placed you and planted you, God is well able to keep you there. There is no devil, no demon, nothing that can come and destroy you in the middle of the will of God. I want you to notice, this person, this man, woman, young person of God is planted by the rivers of water. It is God's promise that his supply is rich, it is sure, and it is unending. There are no limits on what God will supply you in his will. It goes on, and I mentioned it, it, it says that 
He brings forth His fruit. I believe it changes in us. It also says, whatever he, she does shall prosper. Watch this. With every step ordained, with every advance from glory to glory, from prayer, answered prayer, answered prayer, advances the approaching, a day of moral freshness every day, new are his attributes, his mercies every day. Every step, a sense of permanence and purpose in life. Listen to the language of the Spirit of God. God says, you become mine. I have the supply. I will ordain it. I will take care of you. I will be sure that you have all things sufficient that you might do what I ask you to do. That is powerful stuff. Amen? So the psalmist is saying, if we indeed are in God, we are God's planting. If we are disciplined believers, if we are determined believers, then like a tree, the psalmist is talking about steadfastness, steadiness, not up and down and in the, in, in the hallelujah one day and in the mully grubs the next. There is an inner strength There is an aliveness, there's a joy, there's a peace, there's steadfastness of someone you can count on. The reason is because we are attached to someone who keeps us because we keep him first in all things. Did you get that? Because we keep him first in all things. The God of this world will put a battle in you about who's first in your life every day. Every day there's a battle about who's first who's on the throne of your life. The writer is saying to us, there are great rewards in living a godly life. But it doesn't mean it's an easy life. This text offers more in a picture. I said it offers us a promise about how we can live. I am constantly as a pastor receiving phone calls, meeting people, And they're in great need of encouragement. I am called on many times for counsel in many things I would never have imagined. There are people who call, Pastor, I have this. Would you please counsel with me or give me some kind of a concept or on and on. Major issues in people's lives. And people ask me to be a spiritual strength and and stand in the gap sometime and they, they look for me for concerned support, and I thank God. I thank God for that. But ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you, I could never meet half of those without this law of God. And every tree that will profess and possess and be the man or woman, young person of Psalm 1, must meditate on this word. I want to say this very plainly. If all you get is what you get in Sunday morning church service and in Wednesday night church service, if that's all you get all week long, you are a spiritual anemic. God says, let you and he meet every day in his word and in the prayer closet. If you want to know why America's weak in Christianity, the stats are that we, the average Christian spends less than 12 minutes in the Bible, less than 12 minutes praying. And you wonder why America's falling apart at the seams is because we are not meditating on the Word and our lives aren't showing it. That's just the truth. So I want to talk to us about some things that are very simple. This man or woman, young person of God, to be like a tree... 
First of all is this. We are steadied as that tree by a strong root system. The deeply rooted tree can stand against the heaviest winds and storms. After the first service, I had a man bring me a picture of a tree in his yard. This tree had been in a heavy, heavy storm. It had actually fallen over, broken off the ground, fell to the ground, and it was running some probably 30 feet. And here was this whole great big tree. I'm sure you've seen that. It fell, put down roots. Here's this big, beautiful tree that came even though the stem was broken. The wind might bend the limbs. The wind might destroy some of the branches, ladies and gentlemen, but the tree remains. Ladies and gentlemen, a true believer is rooted in God and rooted in the Word. And God says those are blessed people and He calls everyone in this room to be like that. I will tell you in years of ministry, I have watched many lives. Many lives. Again and again, I have observed those, listen to this, who are steadfast, who are sure, who are absolute rocks. Here's why. They stay, they weather, they overcome. They do so because they have a strong root system of faith and prayer and close relationships in the body of Jesus Christ. And the first thing when you fail, Satan wants to do, is alienate you from the body of Christ. If there's any way he can separate you from the people of God, he will. I want to declare to you that the church is the only New Testament organization and organism that God has promised that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Stay with God's people. I've watched these people stand tall against severe winds in their lives. I've watched them endure pressures that some of you would not imagine. I have watched them in extreme temptations. I have watched them in the midst of tragedy and circumstances that are indescribable. And yet, no matter what the enemy of this world, with all the ability he has in his sin-cursed power right now, to come against these people, this I know, they know how to draw strength from God because they're in his word. This man, this woman, this young person meditates on his word day and night. And he stays connected to the people of like precious faith. That's the reason it's so important that you be here on Sunday morning. That's why it's important you be here Wednesday night. Whoops, we didn't get as many there. That's why it's important that you pray. It's why it's important you stay in this book. And ladies and gentlemen, we treat God's house, well, I'll take it or leave it, depending on everything else. And we say He's first in our lives. It's not so. Now, I don't believe that God said have church necessarily three times a week. Like we we had Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. It about wore me out for about 35 years, I will tell you that. God necessarily, I can't find where He says it. But I want to tell you, He does say, do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together, especially as you see the day approaching. You're not going to be near as good a Christian in this world if you don't come to this house and be fed and know the nurturing that goes on among God's people. 
Please say amen. Not going to happen. I want to declare to you that I believe in personal discipline. I believe in spiritual discipline of ourselves. I believe in respect. And I think we should reverence the house of God. A shady tree. A shady tree helps. A steady life helps. But it needs a strong root system. The roots must be deep. The roots must be dependable. Our lives, ladies and gentlemen, need to grow outward and upward with steadfastness and Christ-likeness. It will only happen if we're rooted in God's Word among God's people. If there will be life, in a sense, above, there must be a supportive life below. If you're going to be what you need to be out in the public and really be a witness for God in this late hour and affect the eternal lives of people who are lost and undone without God, you must have leaves that do not wither and a, a root system that says this is real and it's true. Like a tree, we will fail or we will flourish depending upon our roots and it's based in the word of God and the disciplines of our lives. Nobody ever gets anywhere and has anything worthwhile because it's always given to them. Someone said there's two kinds of people in the world. There's the givers and the takers. And I will tell you this, I know them very well. The givers always want to give and the takers want to keep on taking. Pastor, that sounds critical. It may sound critical, but it's an absolute truth. Shout me down. You ever noticed everybody always wants something for nothing? Everybody expects everybody to do everything for them. There's no discipline there. There's absolutely no stamina there. I just got to tell you something. In a world mesmerized with being, with, with an endowment or a, a I deserve concept, ladies and gentlemen, it is doomed to destroy itself. I hear it over and over and over and over and over. I hear it. It's all over the television, internet, everywhere. What you deserve, what you deserve, what you should get, what you should get. Let me just tell you something. You, you, you get what you pay for. Young people, you want to win at, at, at fine arts, pay for it. I'm not talking about bribery. I'm talking about work at it and work at it and work at it. Get the best. Get the best. Get it in your head. Get, dedicate yourself. We, I, you should read about our, our, our professional athletes and the Olympians and the prices they pay. We get what we pay for. And let me tell you this. When you get what you pay for, you appreciate it. But when you get everything for nothing, you don't appreciate it. I've probably lost all my friends, but it's true. Secondly, like a tree, renewed and sustained, not only by its roots, by resources necessary to its life. The root system does something more than just provide a steadiness the root system draws moisture, minerals, nutrients from the soil. The root system is on a constant search for the vital resources necessary 
to keep the tree alive. If Satan has his way in your life, every one of us in this room will spiritually die. We must be on a vital resource to keep us alive. I read a poem. Found it years ago. Listen to this poem. I do not know who wrote it. If I did, I'd give them credit. Listen to this poem. A tree that never had to fight for sun and sky and air and light that stood out in the open plain and always got its share of rain. Never became a forest king, but lived and died a scrubby thing. The man who never had to toil, who never had to win his share of sun and sky and light and air, never became a manly man, but lived and died as he began. Good timber does not grow in ease. The stronger wind, the tougher trees. The, further, the farther sky, the greater length. The more the storm, the more the strength. By sun and cold, by rain and snows, in tree or man, good timber grows. Where thickest sands the forest growth, we find the patriarchs of both. And they hold converse with the stars whose broken branches show the scars of many winds and much of strife. This is the common law of life. Young people, you will never be what you need to be and want to be without paying the price to do so. Parents, say amen. In a world where everybody gets the sucker and the trophy, we need to understand that all things are not free. Saints, listen, if we, if we are as described by the psalmist, we are to have leaves that do not wither, and we are to bear fruit in due season. If we're going to do that, we must have with us that desperate will, that grit, if you will, that resides in the roots that nourishment, we must lay hold of what we need from God to sustain us. The psalmist knew the source, verse 2. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, I said it several times purposely, he delights, meditates day and night. Church, there is no substitute, there is no resource, there is no power like the Word of God. I love the music, I love the lights, I love the atmosphere, I love the worship, I love to laugh, I like all those things. But I want to tell you something, if all those things take the place of the Word and we entertain ourselves, we're missing the entire purpose for the church. We are not entertainment centers. Ladies and gentlemen, we are hospitals for those who are dying that need something from God. The psalmist says his word in us generates in us. Young people don't miss this. God's word within us generates the power that influences our thoughts. This word directs how we think. And it directs how we live. This word in us stirs in us the power that aids good decision making. 
There are people who say they believe in God make the dumbest decisions. You know why? It's not because they don't believe in God. It's because they're not in this book. Well, Pastor, hadn't you made some dumb decisions? Not near as dumb as they used to be. (laughs) It stirred. This book stirs in us. Something that will calm the, the spirit that is so upset by the tragedies of this world and difficult circumstances. This book will stir in us a taming down of our spirit when Satan would tempt us to throw it all aside. This book nourishes our souls, our mind, our body, our spirits, our, even our instincts. The psalmist pictured the godly person as a tree planted by the streams of waters. And this much I know. Hear me. I've I've heard so many excuses the last 20 years. Well, I just couldn't do this. I just couldn't do this. I just couldn't do that. And yet they're spirit-filled, born-again Christians who claim they're full of God and they're living the Lord and and they just excuse. Listen, no one can take in what God makes available and shrivel up to be an undernourished person within. It cannot happen. Can I tell you that the Spirit of God and indwelling and meditating in this book will take all the excuses away? Why? Because when you meditate on this, you don't need excuses because you are the victor. Our God wrote His Word. I've said this morning that God can keep us steady, He can keep us sustained. Two results that stand clearly before us in this text. But there's one more thing that I want to share, and it's this. It's part of this picture that's important. Young people, young couples, anybody under the age of 90, (laughs) but especially under, let me say, the age of 50. Young people, We pay this bill and heat and cool this place. We employ a youth pastor and music people. I'm here by your parents and appointment of the Lord to prepare you to take the message of God to your generation. The reason I speak to you so often is because there are so many who don't have the fundamentals and the foundations Don't you let a school teacher, don't you let anybody take away from you the fundamentals of this book. I don't care how popular they are, how so-called learned they are, how philosophical they are, what position they are, what authority they have, this much I will tell you, they're not even a close rival to the author of this book. Not even close. Thank you. Don't you ever let a professor, I don't care if he has a Ph.D. degree, don't you ever let them tell you that there are not absolutes. There are absolutes. And we want you to know them. A healthy tree, here's what I'm telling you. A healthy tree shares its life with all its surroundings 
and gives back to its environment. I have spent over 30 years in this church sowing into youth that you can do something about the environment you live in. And with God's help, that's exactly what He desires for every one of us to do. Like our Creator and like trees, we are made to give something back. We are made to do something in the setting that nourishes life for other people. Make, make some observations and I'll be through. I did a little study here and found out some things about some trees. As for trees, they give back to us their beauty. They provide for us many times food. They shade, give us shade. They provide shelter. They provide fuel to warm us. They provide the timber for our dwellings. They provide medicine for our ills, materials for our clothing, paper for our printing, ornaments to decorate our surroundings. But I want to be a bit more specific because I want, God has a special call on your life that's specific. I want you to see a mature shade tree that's 50 years old or more absorbs a lot of heat from our surroundings, cooling the scene where we live. A mature tree, some mature trees place humidity in the atmosphere around us. And some of these trees loose into the air 75 to 100 gallons of water per day. Some mature trees supply all the oxygen required by 10 people for one year. They're giving back. Some mature trees remove over a quarter of pound of dust particles per day, filtering the air that you and I breathe. A mature tree removes gases, especially carbon dioxide, from the air that we breathe. I want you to think about it. A mature tree can cool our atmosphere. It can bring the humidity that we need and restore clean air for us to breathe, as well as give its beauty and its food and shade and shelter and medicine and fuel. The tree does not receive without returning. This man, this woman, this young person of Psalm 1 will bring forth its fruit. Its leaf will not wither. And whatever he, she does shall prosper. That is God's promise. When Christ ordained his disciples, listen and I'm through. When he ordained his disciples, he said, I give you power over devils and demons. And they went out and found out that that was the truth. And they came back saying, in your name we have power over devils and demons. And Jesus said, in that do not rejoice, in this rejoice. That you are rooted and built up 
and found in me. And it, this is in what to rejoice that your name is recorded in the Lamb's book of life. He went on to say to them, freely you have received, freely give. Boy, I was reading Acts 26 this week. Paul was standing before the king Agrippa and Festus. And he was given an account for all the charges. Here he stands in some 70 to 80 pounds of chain. And he probably didn't weigh much in excess of 100. He is bloody. He is beaten. He has been imprisoned. He has been shipwrecked. He has been stoned. This man has been literally to what we call hell and back. And he stands before the magistrates. And he said, I had this vision. God met me and ordained me as a minister to go to the Gentile. And he looked the king in the eye and he said, I did nothing in the corner. I didn't hide any of it. And he said, all I did was talk about what the prophets and Moses for 4,000 years had told us to come. And it's coming. That's all I've ever said. That's all it's ever been. But he said these words, young people. He said in front of those magistrates that one wave of a hand could sever his head from his body. And he said, but oh, King Agrippa, I was not <laughs> disobedient to the heavenly vision that God placed his purpose in my life. I'm an imperfect man and you all know it. But I want to be able to say someday, if there's a casket in this floor and you see me, I want to be able to say he was obedient to the heavenly vision to preach the truth of God's Word, no matter what it costs. And until we're planted there, and until we're fruitful there, and until we are stable there, until we're absolute adamant about it, ladies and gentlemen, we have little to do to change this world but let God build us as trees by the right water by the right stuff with the right message that we can help this failing generation that's your call that's our call